We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 58. I'm your host, Rando. And I'm Corey. And this is the How About Some Wind podcast. We had it, and we're going to have some more. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really remember having a high wind warning for southwest portions of southwest Missouri before. I mean, have you? No. It's usually, <laughs> you know, up in... North Dakota or, or places where it's flat forever and, and it's just windy, windy, windy because there's no barriers. Yeah. So I've heard of them up there, but not so much here. Yeah. And, and realized that, you know, that the criteria for a wind advisory is sustained 25, 25 to 30 with gusts 40 to 45. But this one, they were talking gusts upwards of 60 and Springfield. Wasn't it Springfield Airport that? Record that 62 mile an hour 62 gust. 62 miles an hour. That was insane. And did some damage, too. Of course it did. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, my power flickered a few times here. And power outages, I didn't realize how many power outages until you sent me that thing from Empire. Well, it was like a, I mean, there were no storms associated with it, but it was like a prolonged severe thunderstorm warning that was actually worse than a severe thunderstorm warning because it did so much widespread damage. Those are severe winds, definitely. Oh yeah, anything over fifty eight is considered considered severe, and and the, you know some people say, well, you know, it was just a just just some wind or whatever. Well, no, they issue these warnings and advisories because they can take down telephone or not telephone, but power lines, and but that's what they th- did. There were a few poles snapped. Yeah. See, they start those those power lines start moving up and down in waves, and that that ah. snaps the, the power the poles. Yeah, all, all that oscillation right. or whatever. Yeah, well, thank goodness there's no ice on those things because if there was ice, no. And, and that's why an ice storm in a blizzard is so bad because you get that ice on there, which adds tons of weight. And then the wind starts blowing, and then those those power lines come down. Mm-hmm. But at least uh, at least it was warm, 70-something. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. You, you, you had, you had you know, storms blow through that morning. Yeah. And usually that'll cool things off, but but you had all that wind and all the, the the warmth, and it was just a weird weather day for sure. Yeah, and we were in that prime that prime area where that where you get the, the the low pressure system to the west, and it went through Kansas, flung a warm front up, which is why we got so warm. Then the line of thunderstorms with that cold front comes through, but this one had two and. I've noticed that a lot of these low-pressure systems now, uh, the one we're going to talk about in a minute coming through tomorrow, um, they have an initial cold front, but then there's another cold front behind it, and that's the one that has the colder air. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of crazy, and it kind of shows you the dynamics of what's going on 
with the weather nowadays. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, we had tornado. No, it was a severe thunderstorm warnings. You were up. When, when was that? Saturday, Friday night, and Saturday morning. We had you know severe thunderstorm watch issued about two thirty a.m. and storms were already popping. They popped pretty fast in Oklahoma. Really out of nowhere, just boom, they were there and almost severe in no time. That's wild. So I thought, well, this is interesting. But then they kind of you know leveled off and weren't severe until they hit Missouri and they went severe again. But I was expecting it because I'd read about instability supposed to be going up about, you know, three 30 in the morning. Oh yeah. To, yeah. To you tell me that. Yeah. And, it, and that's, that may be what caused that. But uh, then they kind of leveled off again. And by the time they got to Branson, they were just, you know, gentle thunderstorms. Well, I noticed that you were posting and stuff is like McDonald and Barry and, mm-hmm. and all the way and then stone. And then they just, fell and apart. they were hailers just marginally hail. So not a lot so of wind in them. Nah, just hail. I don't think so. Yeah, and again, here I am complaining, and I'm sure you are too, overnight. Come on, guys. Let, let, let's have some, if we're going to have severe weather, let's have it in the daytime. But we knew this one was going to be overnight for quite a while. We knew it way ahead of time this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And what's going on today, we've had the first round of showers, uh, and a few thunderstorms moved through. Um, I was talking to my buddy Gary in Springfield, and he said, I hear thunder. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, and I checked radar, and there's like this little thin line of, uh, of thunderstorms going through. I was talking to my buddy Grandma on the way over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she said, there's some lightning strikes that hit pretty close to the house. They had quite a bit of lightning go through Miami. No way. About a couple hours ago. And it ended up kind of tracking up towards Springfield, but it wasn't a strong one it got to Springfield. But they still had some strikes up there. Well, you know, I, w- I wasn't really thinking... There was going to be a lot of lightning and thunder with the, this particular round. I mean, the stronger wind's coming tomorrow, but but this particular round, it was showers and yeah, maybe some thunder here and there. And all of a sudden, radar scope is lighting up with all these lightning signatures. And I thought, well, what's that's weird. What's going on? Hmm. I don't know. And uh, I'm going to check radar again. We are recording this on Tuesday, March 12th, uh, about 2 o'clock. And I'm looking at radar now. Yeah, I mean... The lightning seems to have calmed down a little bit, but there's a nice little heavy band of uh, rain in Table Rock, and it looks like it's headed right towards my house. So we we may be recording this in a in a rainstorm. Table Rock, you know, it's a lake we know, but it's also on the map as a town. Right. I don't know where that exactly is. Is it near the dam? Karen Halfpop might know. Doesn't she live over there? I think so. Uh, what I think is when they put Table Rock, it is the dam, is what I'm thinking, because it's right on that Stone well, County line. Yeah, I mean, there there was a community of Table Rock back in the day, well, probably when the dam was built. It's just a neighborhood. There's some houses over there near the dam. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that's not what they consider Table Rock. Ooh, I'm going to have to ask her. So, Karen, if you're listening to this, right. let us know if, you, if you're over there. And if you don't get back with us, then we'll just text you. Uh <laughs> Hopefully you'll be listening to this. But, uh, yeah, okay, in the last radar loop, uh, yeah, moderate rain headed towards Hollister right now. It's 219 right now. So I have Point Royale on my map. I don't know why I put it on there, just kind of a reference point. (laughs) Yeah, in Branson, it's pretty much raining now. And like we said, we don't see anything behind this. So um, uh, if you're listening to this later on this evening, there's going to be a lull in the activity but man, there is a another powerful system that's on its way, and it's uh, in Baja now. It's um, well, actually, actually, it's it's moved on 
on uh, the U.S. land now, and it is starting to wind up. And there's an enhanced risk of severe weather down in western Oklahoma, uh, where they're talking about really pretty large hail. Texas always gets the large hail. Um, maybe some wind or stuff, but you, when you hear these giant size uh, hailstones, three to four inches, they're usually in Texas. But I think if I, my memory serves me right, the largest hailstone was in South Dakota. <laughs> I, have, I have to go look at, we, we may need to, I'm going to have to bring out our severe weather, weather schools on uh, starting probably next week. Before South Dakota, the, the record was in Coffeyville, Kansas. So it's kind of oh, yeah. right there in the Midwest, you know. Right, in that tornado alley. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, South Dakota. But the thing about it is that is going to stay, I mean, the, the heavier weather. And what we've seen for the past month is the, the stronger weather, the tornadic storms, the severe weather, is staying pretty much generally well south of Branson. I mean, Mississippi got those massive tornadoes. Uh, Eastern and we're still Elkinson. early. We're still early. And we still had, you know, some cold air coming down. So it's to be expected. Yeah. I'm not seeing a blast. I think we're too late for really the No, we're blast. done with that. I think I hope hopefully we're done with the real cold stuff. Oh yeah, me too. But uh hopefully we'll get us a, a nice storm here before too long. Yeah, and and speaking of that that thing, it's gonna be winding up in Kansas tomorrow and it's gonna deepen really deep. And uh what models do is project uh, their, their pressure center, kind of like a hurricane. You know, when they, when, when we, uh, hurricane season is going to start soon too. Um, like they measure hurricane basically from the pressure. Uh, the, the strength of the hurricane is from the wind, but you can, but they also measure, measure the pressure because they can tell by the pressure if the hurricane is strengthening or decreasing or whatever. And usually they're like about 960, 970 millibars. Uh, I think the the lowest one is like 908 millibars or something like that, which is insane. We call that deep. Um, high pressure, it's kind of hard to explain this visually on a podcast, but high pressure you look at as a ridge and winds travel clockwise in the northern hemisphere around it and down. And low pressure, you think of it as a valley, Um and the, the, the lower the pressure, the deeper that valley. That's where we get deeper from. And the winds travel counterclockwise and have lift in it. And, and so this thing, the, I was looking at the NAM. Uh, the NAM's wanting to put the pressure down to 972 millibars, which is really deep. And the GFS, 971. And uh, you texted me yesterday and said that one of the models was saying it was going to be 972 tomorrow. Well, just think of a hurricane when you get that low. It's feeding off that warm water. Well, it's not feeding off any warm water here. What's it feeding uh-huh. on of exactly? It's just a deep, low-pressure system. Yeah, that- just dynamics. There's yeah. just so many dynamics. The, the, jet, the jet stream is what's really kind of driving this thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's powerful. We talked, what was it, last week or the week before, about that intense jet stream that caused that airplane to go 801 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, when you get way up there, 30,000, 35,000 feet uh, in the upper uh, layers of the atmosphere, you've got that jet stream moving sometimes 200, 250 miles an hour. And looking at fluid dynamics in a three-dimensional sense, you know, the low pressure could be anywhere from the surface to mid-levels to upper. And that, you know, think of wind shear. 
you know, because when you have wind shear blowing off the top of a supercell, then that's going to pull up and make uh, the vacuum, and then the supercell deepens. Well, this is, in my opinion, kind of a, a, a wider larger scale event where that low pressure system is there and you got the jet stream just driving it plus the combination of the the moisture coming in from the mm -hmm. gulf and then uh wind shear it's, it's just a mess let's and, talk about the wind for tomorrow a little bit yeah you know the uh, some wind advisories have already started to be issued for northwest arkansas uh, northeast oklahoma high wind warnings are being issued for central oklahoma kansas yeah i do expect those wind advisories to meander on over to our area before too long with maybe maybe soon they'll start issuing those because it's going to be windy here too yeah no, yeah and behind that second that second or the is it the first cold front the first cold front and then the wind comes yeah. in that second cold front yeah the one I, thing i read about uh this last saturday's wind was they never expected it to get as bad in branson it gets pretty windy here but not they didn't issue an excessive win, or a high wind warning here due to our terrain down in branson acts as a barrier to that wind yeah so and and and, and we're a couple hundred feet higher than or lower than the plateau, I think, over there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Cause it, that makes a big difference. I think we're averaging around 900. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the Table Rock is about 900. Yeah. What's Springfield, you know? 1,200. Yeah. About see? Yeah. And so that makes a difference. Oh, definitely. And like you were saying, like the friction, when you get that, you know, storms want to go right up I-44. Well, that's because there's not a lot of hills on I-44. Right. <laughs> it just kind of flows along there. But you get over here in the, in the lush green parts of Branson and that is the massive but we still got you know 52 mile an hour wind gusts at the airport that, oh yeah that, that'll still knock your patio furniture over oh well like I said you know my door kept blowing open I had it blocked and everything that wind coming in and it was insane and uh yeah that's going to persist after that second cold front comes in it's going to persist until uh, the wind's going to pick up tomorrow after that main line. People are always asking about uh, when that line's going to come in. Well, the, the the models, most of the models are saying right around, give or take the noon hour tomorrow. That's when the, the brunt of it is going to start. And then after that, that wind is going to pick up and then clear out like it did that last time. All of a sudden, I mean, the clouds just, bam, within 30 minutes after that thing went through, the the sky cleared out and the wind picked up. That's kind of what's going to happen this time. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's going to persist into Thursday. And, uh, yeah, oh, and I forgot. See, I wrote this down, but I forgot because we get so caught up during the weather school doing stuff. Uh, we mentioned we were going to give the average highs for March. And I went and researched that. And this is for, like... I think this is for us. I went to AccuWeather. No, I went to the National Weather Service. Uh, on the 1st of March, the average high for this area is 53. And at the end of March, the average high is 62. So anywhere, we're, we're kind of right in the middle right now. So I would imagine 56 is probably, mm -hmm. you know, the average, average high. And it looks like, uh, I mean, we're above that now. And uh, temperatures are not going to go anywhere tonight that, because a warm front yeah, coming they, through. Yeah, they stay the same. Yeah, and then tomorrow they said probably in the 60s before that thing mm -hmm. comes through and then wind and blah, blah, blah. Uh, a little knockback on temperatures on Thursday to maybe just below average, you know, around upper 40s or whatever. Um, I, it does look like we're going to get below 
freezing, but not much. I mean, there's no, not going to be any wind. Not, not for long. Not wind. There's not going to be any rain associated with this. So, yeah, a couple of days and then uh, warm back up to about average. And it looks like a, a, a pattern shift is coming uh, after this big thing moves through. And we're going to have a stretch of nice, sunny, at least partly sunny days. Well, good. Yeah, we need that. A lot of kids are on spring break next week. Here in Branson, we're on spring break this week, so they've oh, been yeah. you know sitting in the rain for now. But it'll be it'll be better. I mean, well, they got to do one more day of the rain, right? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, n- nice stretch and sunny days. And uh, oh, and you texted me uh, with the El Nino update the other day. Yeah, we're now in a moderate El Nino, which means whatever that means. Yeah, I guess it's strengthening. You know, they say they say it is, but and and you know we've been talking about El Nino now for months. Uh, yeah, haven't seen too many effects from it yet, but maybe we are. Maybe we're seeing it. We don't even know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is is if it is moderate now, maybe that's one reason that the storms are pretty much hitting south of us. I mean, that would make sense for a for an El Nino year. The tornadoes down in uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, Alabama. And then it, it's kind of going that way again. I mean, we've got enhanced risk for West Texas. And so that's going to be moving over while that low lifts up there. So El Nino, uh, it's kind of a, a silent thing. You know, it, it will affect all the other patterns going on, you're thinking. I'm not going to say <laughs> the, the silent, yes, the silent thing. So, so that's pretty much what... What we've been, what's going on now? Just got an alert on my phone. Oh, what's that? Ding, 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 Doesn't ding, ding, affect ding. us here. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, the rain's going to be a little heavier to our west. We're expecting uh, right around the inch mark here in Branson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, Miami expecting about an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half. And then it's going to get even further onto the west. They're expecting up to three inches. Ooh. So uh, they went ahead, the National Weather Service went ahead and issued a flood warning for Miami for the Neosho River. They have a river that runs right through town. Floods oh. a lot. That's why Miami has the nickname Mudville. Oh, okay. But they are expecting uh, minor flooding. It looks like they're going to have to close the park in downtown Miami, which is Riverview Park. It runs right you know, next to the river. Oh, wow. But uh, right now the, the river stage is, let's see here. 4.26 feet. Okay. Well, flood stage is 15 feet. We're going to hit, it's going to rise that much. Oh, wow. Now, the Asia River goes for miles and miles and miles and miles into Kansas. So, all that runoff in Kansas and all that runoff in Oklahoma has eventually got to go through Miami before it dumps into Grand Lake. Okay. So, they usually uh, issue those ahead of time because they have a lot of agricultural land right along the river that floods. And they'll have to close down the main city park. So, oh, okay. So, so they just issued that in advance of what's going on. This goes into effect. Uh, let's see here. Expected to rise above flood stage early Thursday morning and continue to rise to near sixteen point five feet. Ooh, yeah, that's over flood stage by Friday before dawn. Oh, so, so. area interest there. If you live yeah. next. Uh, I don't imagine there's a lot of people living near the Osho River. I mean, if it floods all the time, why would you? Well, it's just going to flood the lower. I mean, yeah, it does. Uh, it it when it is a major flood, it floods a lot of houses there. But this is just a little flood, and they're used to it. Okay. 
They're uh, used to it, yeah. Now, they would normally say Highway 125 would be closed because it's a low-lying area next to the bridge. Well, the bridge is completely out now. They're rebuilding it, so you don't have to worry about taking that route. It's closed anyway. So oh, yeah. You don't have to worry about that. But the park will be definitely closed. They always have to close it. But, uh, yeah, they get, they get floods a lot over there. And didn't, I mean, and didn't you say the WPC, Weather Prediction Center, it, it has more rainfall over that way? Yep, definitely does. Yeah. And what they had, they had over Branson, they had like three or so inches the other day, and then they, they kind of... brought it down by half and then a little more. Yeah, it just kind of went back down. I mean, any rain is, is welcome as long as it's not in one big dump. I had a little over an inch on Saturday, and this morning I looked out and I probably had about... Uh, Point three inches or so, maybe a little more. I didn't go out okay. there and look at it, but I really have a big rain gauge, so I can kind of gauge from my house. Uh huh. So yeah, we got a little bit of rain out of that first little batch this morning that that came through early. You know, I need to put my rain gauge back out. My problem is it's it's the glass one, so I will forget it's out there, and then it'll have rain in it, and then the yeah. temperatures will get below freezing, and it will bust, and I won't have to go buy another one, like I've done three times before. Well, I. I, I <laughs> Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the website a little bit. Yes, we have a new website. Yes, and I'm getting ready to put a new feature on it today, and you'll be able to see how much rain we're getting. Oh, nice! Live, live. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. See, I got to I got to tell the listeners. Corey teased that to me yesterday, but he didn't tell me what it was. It's like, okay, I'm intrigued. What is it? So it'll I'm be, learning about be, this too. It'll be cool. I mean. You don't see it on any other weather sites this way. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, this would be nice. So, yeah, I'm I can't excited. wait. I can't wait. So everybody, go and visit our webs, our new. It's external not up yet, website. but I, I got to get some supplies after this, and we're gonna make it happen. Yeah, yeah. But the web address is really hard. It's stormdarweather.com. So go there. We've got lots of stuff. I am in the process of doing uh, some things. Also, uh, I'm not ready to. To say it yet, so I will. I will tease this, and <laughs> we'll uh, we'll let you know on our side and with the podcast and everything of stuff going on. So I think it's time for the Stormdar Birdwatching Report. I like the birds. Yes, it's the Stormdar Weather. Bird watching report from our ambassador, my mother, and she is giving us weekly updates on the birds and what you should do. So this week, uh, she says the bluebirds are here and checking things out. So get your bluebird houses cleaned and ready. She's seeing some robins and some finches, and she didn't see any, but she thought she heard some chickadees around the area. Are the bluebirds landing on her shoulder? I think they have. Get that song. What song is that anyway? I don't know. Blue. It's on my shoulder. It's a Disney song, right? Zippity doodah. Zip- oh, yeah, zip- 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 yeah, zip- yeah. zippity. <laughs> I may have to have to change that for the. Now we're gonna get sued. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> we have no money, so. Like, <laughs> yeah. So if if you're out if you're out and about if you're into the birds, uh, yeah, and send us reports where you here now. I, Heck, send us some pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and don't we have that on our website? We have like a area, uh, what is it? Uh, people can send in. Yeah, for- they can. And I put them up. I, I, I put up special slideshows when we have big weather events like that. But if people want to send me birds, heck, I'll do a spring event yeah. slideshow type thing going on here. 
Wow. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Get a, get a real cl- close, tight macro lens mm-hmm. of a bird. Wait, no, that's a, a snowflake. Not a macro. No, uh, I'm thinking of the snowflake thing. No, this is not a contest. We're not saying it's a bluebird contest, but uh, yeah. And I I've been seeing the red birds out there, and and I've and, seen tons of robins. Yeah, they're they're getting ready. Yeah, so mom, keep keep up. Uh, every week we're gonna get the. Uh, Bird watch update from my mother. And something we haven't uh, talked about for a while, but it's getting to that part of the year where things are <clears throat> blooming and people are having issues. So we're going to have the weekly pollen report. <laughs> so this is, yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> That's your favorite so far? I liked it. Oh, okay. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I worked hours on that. So this is the Stormdar Weather Weekly Pollen Report. Uh, what uh, We get this from pollen.com. Uh, they do a specific for Branson area. And what they are seeing is the primary pollens this week are elm, juniper, and maple. Those are the... Uh, the trees, I guess, that are going. I mean, I think cedar goes later, doesn't it? Like a lot later, doesn't it? It's already pretty much spring by the time that. Because I always the see cedar goes. Yeah, I always see the pollen. Have you ever seen those videos of the pollen from the cedar trees just explode? Yes, yes. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, <clears throat> and your cars all get covered, mm-hmm. and yeah. But I don't know if that if that cedar. I guess that cedar that really is the. Is a thing. I've got like a little juniper allergy, and I can tell, <clears throat> and you can probably tell too. Yeah, I'm starting to get the the runny nose and the allergies coming out. You're not allergic to anything, are you? No, that's not fair. Can't complain. Yeah, you need to be allergic to something so I can make fun of you. Well, my my ancestors they all lived outdoors and in teepees. I'm Native American, so I am uh, not allergic to anything, and I don't get bit by mosquitoes. And that's not fair. There's just a whole plethora of things that don't affect me. Wow. Yeah. Well, aren't you special? Also, can't grow a beard. <laughs> well, there's something. There's got to be something you can. <laughs> that's part of being Native American. I don't know why. <clears throat> well, I tell you what. I'm going to clear my throat. We need to get on to the Stormdar Weather School, and this is one we have done before. But uh, if Hopefully you all have adjusted. We just went into daylight saving time, and uh, we set our clocks ahead. And I don't know. The older I get, the the longer it takes me to adjust to this thing. And I talked to my mother. It takes her a few days. And I did some reading on these time changes and stuff. And it, it does take some people two or three days to really get get used to that. So uh, we did this last. Uh, when we came out of daylight saving time into standard time. So it's kind of interesting uh, how the history and all about it. So let's get to the weather school. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, stormed our weather school. We're about ready to set our clocks forward an hour, which will begin daylight savings time. If you were paying close attention to my opening statement, then you would have noticed that I intentionally mispronounced the phrase. Many people call it 
daylight savings time, but it is correctly pronounced daylight saving time. The main purpose of daylight saving time is to make better use of daylight. We change our clocks during the summer months to move an hour of daylight from the morning to the evening. If you live near the equator, day and night are nearly the same length of about 12 hours. But in the northern hemisphere, there is much more daylight in the summer than in the winter. The closer you live to the North Pole, the longer the period of daylight in the summer. Thus, daylight saving time, or summer time, is usually not helpful in the tropics, and countries near the equator generally don't change their clocks. According to some sources, daylight saving time saves energy. Studies done by the U.S. Department of Transportation in 1975 showed that daylight saving time trims the entire country's electricity usage by a small but significant amount, of about 1% each day, because less electricity is used for lighting and appliances. Similarly, in New Zealand, power companies have found that power usage decreases 3.5% when daylight saving time starts. In the first week, peak evening consumption commonly drops about 5%. The rationale behind the 1975 study of daylight saving time-related energy savings was that energy use and the demand for electricity for lighting homes is directly related to the times when people go to bed at night and rise in the morning. In the average home, 25% of electricity was used for lighting in small appliances such as TVs and stereos. A good percentage of energy consumed by lighting and appliances occurred in the evening when families were home. By moving the clock ahead one hour, the amount of electricity consumed each day decreased. In the summer, People who rose before the sun rises used more energy in the morning than if daylight saving time were not in effect. However, although 70% of Americans rose before 7 a.m., this waste of energy from having less sunlight in the morning was more than offset by the savings of energy that results from more sunlight in the evening. The idea of daylight saving time was first conceived by Benjamin Franklin during his sojourn as an American delegate in Paris in 1784. The idea was first advocated seriously by London builder William Willett in the pamphlet Waste of Daylight, 1907, that proposed advancing clocks 20 minutes on each of the four Sundays in April and turning them back by the same amount on four Sundays in September. As he was taking an early morning ride through Pett's Wood near Croydon, Willett was struck by the fact that the blinds of nearby houses were closed, even though the sun was fully risen. When questioned as to why he didn't simply get up an hour earlier, Willett replied with typical British humor, What? <laughs> In his pamphlet, The Waste of Daylight, he wrote, quote, Everyone appreciates the long, light evenings. Everyone laments their shortage as autumn approaches, and everyone has given utterance to regret that the clear, bright light of an early morning during spring and summer months is so seldom seen or used. Daylight saving time has been used in the U.S. and in many European countries since World War I. 
Other countries who adopted this 1916 action are Belgium, Denmark, France, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Sweden, Turkey, and Tasmania. Nova Scotia and Manitoba adopted it as well, with Britain following suit three weeks later on May 21, 1916. In 1917, Australia and Newfoundland began daylight saving. During World War II, President Franklin Roosevelt instituted year-round daylight saving time, called wartime, from February 9, 1942 through September 30, 1945. From 1945 to 1966, there was no federal law regarding daylight saving time, so states and localities were free to choose whether or not to observe daylight saving time and could choose when it began and when it ended. This understandably caused confusion, especially for the broadcasting industry as well as for railways, airlines, and bus companies. But on January 4, 1974, President Nixon signed into law the Emergency Daylight Saving Time Energy Conservation Act of 1973. Then, beginning on January 6, 1974, implementing the Daylight Saving Time Energy Act clocks were set ahead. On October 5, 1974, Congress amended the act and standard time returned on October 27, 1974. Daylight saving time resumed on February 23, 1975 and ended on October 26, 1975. In the U.S., daylight saving time starts on the second Sunday in March and ends on the first Sunday in November with the time changes taking place at 2 o'clock a.m. local time. With a mnemonic wordplay referring to seasons, clocks spring forward and fall back. That is, in springtime, the clocks are moved forward from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., and in the fall, they are moved back from 2 a.m. to 1 a.m. Daylight saving time lasts for a total of 34 weeks, or around 238 days every year, which is about 65% of the entire year. Arizona does not observe daylight saving time except for the Navajo Nation. Hawaii, along with the overseas territories of American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the United States Virgin Islands also do not observe daylight saving time. Sometimes it's a task trying to just adjust to the new time change regime. Some people show up early or late to church or to pre-scheduled events occurring on the day of the time change. So the best thing to do is set your clocks back or forward an hour on the Saturday night before the time changes go in effect. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. 
And there we have the all about the daylight saving time and standard time. Didn't you say that there's legislation or people in Congress really want to keep it at? Yeah, and you hear about it every year about how the lawmakers want to change it for their certain states. But now it's starting to gain some traction on the federal level with, you know, uh, the Congress and, and even the president treated us. Get rid of it. It's fine with me. And I think it's probably time we do. So that's I'm totally opinion. fine with it. I mean, uh, I like the later daylight. Why not? Who wouldn't? Uh, yeah. And and I think now, uh, I was reading some stuff the other day, uh, well, other month or whatever, about this. And it research is now finding that nowadays, it really doesn't save energy anymore. No. No, it did back then. It kind of makes sense for farmers and stuff, but farmers are like, no, it has absolutely nothing. Nothing. Because they'll adjust to the daylight no matter what. Yeah. No matter what time it is. Don't, don't, you know, they're out there anyway. Yeah. If the sun rises, the rooster's going to crow. Right. It doesn't matter if it's five o'clock or six o'clock. Those big combines have big lights on them. Have you ever seen them out in the middle of the night working? They work, you know, baling hay. They can do it in the dark. They know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and with technology, I mean, in New York, it, that's a city that never sleeps. You, right. You don't even know if it's daylight or not mm-hmm. if you're in Times Square because it's so bright 24 7. Yeah. Except if you're out here. So, anyway, that's that's our spin on Daylight Saving Time. So, now it's time for the Stormdar Weather This Week in Weather History. So, Corey, what you got? This Week in Weather History. Back in 1993, a massive storm system bore down on nearly half of the U.S. population, causing approximately $5.5 billion in damages. Now, that's $1993 here in 2019. I mean, $9.8 billion, almost double. Whoa. Uh, it was dubbed America's Storm of the Century Ooh. back in 1993. Huh. It uh, swept from the deep south all the way up to the east coast. Uh, before it developed over east, it spun up over Texas, bringing damaging wind and, and hail on the evening of March 11th. So, And then with it had a central pressure usually found in Category 3 hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Which was or did it? Does it's it not say? telling me. Oh, it's uh, it spawned tornadoes and left cl- coastal flooding, crippling snow, and bone chilling cold in its wake. So, and it's the uh, deadliest and costliest winter storm ever recorded. Wow, they had fifty six inches in Tennessee, fifty inches in North Carolina, forty four <laughs> inches in West Virginia, forty three inches in Syracuse, New York. 10-foot snowdrifts in Pennsylvania. So that's pretty crazy. Oh, and it, it spawned, it spawned, it spawned tornadoes. You said tornadoes and just all sorts of stuff. It had everything. Wow. 1990, that's not that long ago. Storm of the century. Yeah. That's what did, they, they call that. Did it have a name? That was the name. That was the name, the storm of the they century. They only named the big ones back then. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, we were talking right before the podcast about the naming of winter storms. Oh, just... It affected 120 million people. So in today's standard, that'd probably be 800 million people. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, Mother Nature, and that's 93, let's see, this is 2019. It killed 270 people in 13 different states. Oh, Man, I've got to look that up because I want to see where that tornado path was. Mm-hmm. And I need to cross-reference it with um, 
to see if that was, was an a, El Nino year. Yeah. <clears throat> El Nino or La Nina. Or... I, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because if, if the tornadoes were in the southern, well, that's kind of what's happening now. I mean, I, I looked at the national hazards. There's blizzard warnings. There's winter storm warnings, winter storm watches all up in, you know, Kansas and North South Dakota and all that. And then, you know, you got an enhanced risk for tornadoes. I mean, this is transition season. I mean, March is, we're in meteorological uh, spring, and now in, uh, what's the day, the 12th? So probably in about 10 days, we're going to be an astronomical spring. Eight days away, I think. Eight days? On the 20th? I think so. We talked about that last week. I I threw all of our notes away. Hey, Siri, when is the first day of spring? Oh, now he's talking to Siri. Spring begins March 20th and ends June 20th. There you go. There you go. It ends June 20th? Oh, that's right, because then... Oh, I... You know, that's when summer starts. Never mind. You know, I kept thinking, that's one month. No, no. it's not. It's three months. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I took my Claritin. So never question Siri. Never, never, never. question Siri. <laughs> Very interesting. All right, so now it's time for... It's the weather word of the week. And this week's Stormdar Weather Weather Word of the Week is Fata Morgana. Hey, wait a minute. You get Yeah. You did it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's that mean? I think that's a chain of Greek restaurants in the northeast. No. Uh it's a complex. Oh. Oh, see, that's what I want. I wanted to hear that. Yeah, okay, okay. Now anyway, Fata Morgana, which means it's a complex of superior mirages that that are seen in a narrow band right above the horizon. Your eyes are going to be playing tricks on you. Yes. The mirages significantly distort the object or objects on which they are based, often such as that the object is completely unrecognizable. And like you were saying, it looks like there's huge mountains or cities off in the distance when, when there's nothing. It, it's insane. And I, I saw a documentary all about the Fata Morgana. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's F-A-T-A-M-O-R-G-A-N-A, Fata Morgana. And it's this bizarre, significant uh, mirage where you see it's mostly in the Arctic uh, when you have ice-laden, uh, air, barren, ice-laden lands. And you just see these beautiful cities on right on the horizon or mountains or whatever and they're not really there it's strange yeah i saw some pictures of it and you would swear if if you wikipedia that or google it it'll tell you all about it it's very very fascinating but we're not going to see any of that here no i no, i I don't i don't think so it's all right Uh, so how much rain do you think we're going to get additional well you know i'm still going to say in another inch at least. Uh, it appears that's what I'm thinking too. I'm thinking total storm from today and and into tomorrow. We might get between one and a quarter and one and a half inches. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing Which anything is, out in even in the Tulsa area. This is I think our lull is coming. Yeah. Now I'm looking at radar now. It's about two forty five. Um yeah, man, you know, Oklahoma City, I do see lots of lightning strikes around Oklahoma City. And all that's coming up. It's that powerful storm system. So we will probably be posting quite a bit over these next 24 hours. I mean, I've got a show tonight. I work at the Hughes Brothers, if everybody doesn't know. And uh, so look for about between, well, somewhere around 3 o'clock is when the National Weather Service will start getting their act together, issuing 
potential wind advisories or some kind of advisories. That's when the new model data comes in. So after the podcast, we're going to really look at the latest model data. But they've been really consistent over the past couple of days. I just tie your stuff down and bring your trash can and you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. I I, I definitely think this is going to be a, a trash can alert. Um, maybe, okay, we'll see. We have that uh, something to, what is it? Something to gander, something to ponder, and something to watch. We should have a small dog advisory, a medium dog advisory, and a large dog advisory. Okay. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Depending on the wind, you know. Let's talk about the wind one more time. Okay. We go. The Springfield National Weather Service or the Springfield Airport, yeah, recorded a 62 mile an hour wind gust. What's their criteria for sounding the sirens up there? 70? That's crazy. Just think yeah. of the sound. The sirens could have sounded and no storms could have been in sight, and that would have really confused people. I, I think yes. I think now that happened on the the, the derecho, right? When they yeah. when they hit eighty miles an hour. But but there were definitely storms in the yeah. vicinity. Yeah, that's so people true. would either think that they were malfunctioning or testing. No, when the storms get that strong, or when the wind gets over seventy miles an hour, policy is that Springfield is going to sound no sirens. And I read this week, just a few days ago, Ted Martin put out a little diddy on on the internet he's our fire chief here in branson that's also true for branson 70 mile an hour over they're going to sound the sirens oh okay so i thought that was interesting yeah something to remember it's it's destructive and i think uh correct me if i'm wrong but didn't the branson airport reach like 58 mile an hour gusts the other day i mean it was well in the 50s that was uh, not this past time, but the right time right before, it, like last weekend. We had okay. we've had so much wind lately. I know, and I think it's going to continue. It's that time of year, but it seems like it's been extra strong this year. I I do believe that. And my my poor mother, she's up there. She texts me and said, "I spent all day picking up limbs out of the yard." I'm like, "Mom, you, you know, you're going to have high winds in a day or two. And she's like, "Oh man, <laughs> I have limbs in my yard. I'm just gonna." Leave them there for a while. Yeah, I would. Yeah, but with this pattern change is coming. Yeah, that'd be a good time. This this weekend. Yeah, the winds are going to calm down. The sun's going to come out. Temperatures, you know, like you said, a cold just for a couple of days, and then kind of go back to normal fifties, thirties, which is you know maybe around sixty or whatever. That's normal. Uh, there's going to be a, a nice stretch of days, maybe like ten days, uh, where we Very don't see nice. any any rain. Now, I mean, looking ahead, it's really. You know, we don't put a lot of trust into this right now, but around the 23rd, the GFS V3, uh, FV3 is bringing, wanting to bring in another powerful system and, and another one around the 27th. But see, that's today's only the 12th. I'm not going to lock into that until at least, you know, the Nav Gym or the Icon or the CMC starts getting a hold of it and says the same thing. Because we're not hypers. We are not hypers. I mean, <clears throat> we can tell you what's going on and what we see, but like I said, if we don't get excited, then you don't need to get excited. So keep those keep those comments coming. And uh, anyway, you got anything else? I'm good to go. I think we should wrap this up. All right. So be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your news feed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Also check out our new website at stormdarweather.com. 
Well, that does it for this time. So join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.